Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Jesus 911. Sing to God, O kingdoms of the earth. Alleluia. Alleluia. That's Psalm 68. Today's responsorial psalm. It's it's also a, a uh, it's used in deliverance and exorcisms. This phrase from Psalm 68. It goes like this: God arises, His enemies are scattered, and those who hate Him flee before Him. As smoke is driven away, so are they driven. As wax melts before the fire. In the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My name is Jesse Romero, and I'm here in St. Louis, Missouri. I spoke at the uh, 24th Annual uh, St. Louis Marian Conference. And tonight I'm going to be at a parish, St. Barnabas the Apostle Church, out here in O'Fallon, Missouri. I'll be here the next two nights. Hope uh, to see some of you people out here that are from this neck of the woods. Thank you for inviting me. Hey, I, I want to uh, just remind you that the month of the month of May is dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And you can already see in our beautiful country, the flowers are beginning to bloom. You can see the earth is fresh. All of this is a symbolic of new life. But I'll tell you the most important thing about May is it was Mary's yes her fiat, to bear Jesus to the world, to give us new life, to give us hope. The Blessed Virgin Mary is the new Eve of the new creation. And also in the month of May, we celebrated Mother's Day. Uh, and most people don't realize, but the reason that we instituted Mother's Day in this country was a result of Catholics honoring the Blessed Virgin Mary. So it kind of spilled over. So it was the Catholic honoring of the mother of God that gave us this devotion in the country or this, this, this holiday called Mother's Day, which is, by, by the way, it's, it's, it's very much deserved. Today's also the feast day of St. Rita of Cassia. Pray for us. Let me mention just a little bit about St. Rita of Cassia. Uh, well, actually, in the, on the fourth segment, I'm going to do a whole segment on St. Rita of Cassia, so we'll just have to stay tuned. What I'd like to talk about is the New Age movement and how it's affected the Catholic Church culture in general in a very bad way. In fact, uh, New Age beliefs seem to be common amongst both religious and non-religious Americans. It has a way of infecting everything it touches. Most Americans self-identify as Christians, but many Christians also hold to what are sometimes characterized as New Age beliefs. Some Christians, Catholics, and Protestants believe in reincarnation. Can you believe that? Astrology, psychics, the presence of spiritual energy. Guess what spiritual energy is? They're demons. Some Catholics and Protestants believe in... Uh, uh, spiritual energy in, 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 in physical objects like mountains or trees. And many Americans who are religiously unaffiliated, they also have these beliefs. Now, according to a study that was done by the Pew Research Center, get this, 
overall, roughly six in 10 American adults accept at least one of, of these new age beliefs. And I'll get into the particulars. Specifically, four in 10 believe in psychics. Four in 10 believe in spiritual energy. That spiritual energy can be found in physical objects. Well, a somewhat smaller uh, segment of Americans, 33% of Americans also believe in reincarnation. 33% of Americans also believe in astrology. But the New Age beliefs are not necessarily replacing belief in traditional forms of, of religious beliefs or practices. There's a lot of Christians, both Catholics and Protestants, that practice their particular faith, Christian faith, but at the same time, they also participate in New Age practices. That's a huge problem. According to Pew Research, one in uh, eight in 10 Americans say they believe in God as described in the Bible. Six in 10 believe in one or more of the four New Age school, New Age beliefs that I just mentioned to you, ranging from 40 47% of evangelical Protestants to roughly seven, 70% of Catholics, uh, and same thing in historically black Protestant churches, 70% of black Protestants also hold to new age beliefs. Now, religiously unaffiliated Americans, those who say that the religion is atheism or they're agnostic, or they believe in nothing in particular, they're about as likely as Christians to hold the New Age beliefs as well. One thing about atheists, they're much less likely to believe in any of the four New Age schools than agnostics, and those who say the religion is nothing in particular. Just 22% of atheists believe in at least one of the four New Age beliefs, compared with 56% of agnostics and 8 in 10 among those whose religion is nothing in particular. So we see this as a huge problem in America, the New Age movement. And I'll get into the history of the New Age movement on the next segment. I'll give you, I'll do a deep dive on where it came from and how it's basically uh, reached across the country. Americans who consider themselves to be spiritual but not religious, they also tend to accept at least one New Age belief. Remember, when somebody says, I'm spiritual but not religious, well, that qualifies you to be a Satanist. Because Satan is spiritual, but he's not religious. Roughly three quarters of U.S. adults in this category hold one or more New Age beliefs, including six and ten, who believe spiritual energy can be located in physical things, and 54% who believe in psychics. Can you believe that? This is, by the way, this is a huge problem within the Hispanic community and the uh, Philippine community, the belief in psychics. In every community amongst Filipinos and Hispanics, you'll find these psychics parlors in every other corner. And they prey on the ignorance, they prey on the low information, they prey on the low hanging fruit. Now, Americans who reject both the religious and the spiritual labels are, are more likely to reject new age beliefs Roughly three in 10 or fewer in this group believe in psychics, reincarnation, astrology, or that spiritual energy that can be, that can be found in objects. And fewer than half 
affirm one or more of these beliefs. There's also a gender and an age and other demographic differences associated with new age beliefs. For instance, just as women are likely are more likely than men to identify with a religion and to engage in a number of religious practices, women also are more likely to hold new age beliefs. I would say because they're more curious. Across all four measures, the belief in psychics, which comes from the New Age movement, reincarnation comes from the New Age movement, astrology comes from the New Age movement, and that spiritual energy can be found in objects comes from the New Age movement. There are larger shares of women than men who subscribe to these New Age beliefs. And overall, seven in 10 women in America hold at least to one new age belief compared to 55% of men. And I'll tell you why this is. Because we were made, as the Catholic Church teaches in the Catechism, homo religioso. We were made as religious beings. And we were made for a relationship with God. There's an emptiness in every human heart and that emptiness can only be filled with a relationship with the one true God. And so as Catholics, we also see uh, that adults under the age of 65, those who have not graduated from college, racial and ethnic minorities, like I mentioned to you, blacks, Hispanics, Philippines, and Democrats, by the way, according to the Pew Research Center, and those who lean towards the Democratic Party are more likely than others to hold to at least one of these new age beliefs. I'll be honest with you. I'll tell you who popularized new age beliefs. It was Oprah Winfrey. Yep, without a doubt. Uh, and the new age movement, again, they have... Here's some of the bizarre beliefs that they hold. Reincarnation, as I said, astrology, clairvoyance, psychic healing, uh, automatic writing, Christ consciousness, uh, earth changes. I'll be honest with you, Oprah Winfrey, she became, through her television program and through her wild popularity, she became like the high priestess of the New Age movement for many years. I don't know where she's at where she's at now. I haven't seen her in years. But uh, Oprah Winfrey, because of her successful TV talk show and her successful woman's magazine, O, and her popular radio program for years, she was uh, she was like a pop psychologist. She was a, a feel good self affirmation type person. And for many years, again, she was like a spiritual icon for all things new age. I think at one point she had about 22 million followers. Hey, Jesus 911, we're talking about the new age movement. Stick around, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Now, back to Jesus 911. 
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. The New Age Movement, Jesus 911. My name is Jesse Romero. I want to talk about uh, a little bit about the origins of the New Age Movement. At the end of the millennium, the year 2000, there seemed to be a yearning for an age of freedom from the evils afflicting the world, the spirit of millenarianism. It's returned as it has so many times before. Millenarianism is a heresy in the Catholic Church. Now, the New Age movement, it's not a sect. It's not a religion. It's not a single organization. It's not a science or a philosophy. In some ways, it's not even new. It's called a movement in order to indicate that it's a network of individuals and groups who share a worldview and a common desire to change the world. This is what makes them dangerous. The so-called New Age movement is a cultural current that has engulfed the world today. There is therefore a pressing need for Catholics to understand authentic Catholic doctrine to properly assess New Age themes. New Age thought and practices is like second and third century Gnosticism. It's an assortment of positions that the Catholic Church has identified as contradicting the Catholic faith. Astrologists believe that what they call the age of Pisces, which was from the time of Christ to about 2000 AD has ended, and that we've now entered the age of Aquarius, according to astrologists. The age of Aquarius, they say, is from the year 2000 to the year 4000 AD. So in the historical wake of the events of the Renaissance and the Reformation, Many people are less inclined to obey external authority and they think of religion in a way that leads to the notion that the self is sacred and to an exaggerated idea of freedom, self-reliance and authenticity. Faith in God is often abandoned, except perhaps as a tool for self-advancement. Thus is the stage set for an imagined triumph and reign of the consumer culture. A society which has undergone a breakdown of faith in the Christian tradition and in the unlimited process and progress of science and technology has now to confront the surprising return of Gnosticism, which is a compendium of cosmic religiosity, rituals and beliefs, which had never really disappeared. Gnosticism had its origin in the pagan religions of Asia, Phoenicia, Egypt, Greece, and Babylon, and also in astrology and Greek Platonism. Gnosticism's basic tenet is the doctrine of salvation through knowledge. And the New Age movement claims to be able to acquire this knowledge in an esoteric way through such methods as dream analysis and through the medium of a spiritual master. So the central question about the New Age movement is how it defines spirituality. So for the New Age devotee, 
Spirituality means the use of the powers of nature and of an imaginary cosmic energy to communicate with another world and to discover the fate of an individual or to help to make the most of oneself. Christianity, on the other hand, is an invitation to look outwards and beyond to the new advent of the God who calls us to live in the dialogue of love. The New Age movement does not believe in a God who transcends his creation. The New Age movement does not believe in good and evil. The New Age movement has no room for judgment or blame. The New Age movement holds that belief in evil is negative and causes only fear. The New Age movement also entails, it also fails to distinguish. The New Age movement fails to ex distinguish between God who created the universe and the universe he has created. So, in light of some of the things that I've just mentioned, it may be of interest to take note of certain around the country that there's certain new age workshops and programs and retreats, which are even advertised on the internet and being offered under Catholic auspices. For example, in the Manresa Jesuit retreat center in Pickering, Ontario, or in the Seton spirituality center in Terrence Bay, Nova Scotia. Let me share with you some of the titles of the programs that have been offered in these Catholic centers, these Catholic retreat houses that are not, that are not Catholic at all. They are completely new age, new age infiltration. Here's one of the things that's been offered at these Catholic retreat centers. Here's the first bullet dreams. They discuss dreams under the headings of our cosmic connections, symbols, archetypes, life of the spirit, healing of body, mind, and spirit, prophetic and telepathic dreams. You also have this called a thing called focusing, which is the doorway to the body life of spirit. They also have Reiki training. They have echo spirituality. They have star in my heart with Sophia and she is God. They have training called reflexology. They have training called praying with Kabir. They have centering prayer. They have the Enneagram. They have dancing with the cosmos. They have creation centered spirituality using Matthew Fox's work, original blessing, and they also have a retreat with the contemplative mystic and prophet Edwina Gately. This is the infiltration of the New Age movement in the Catholic Church. This is a diabolical deception. I'll mention some of these techniques that seem to be more popular that Catholics have heard of. When it comes to Reiki, Reiki is described by its advocates 
as an all-present cosmic energy or life force, and also as a supernatural knowledge and wisdom that comes from God. Reiki said it produces spiritual healing and self-improvement, and Reiki practitioners say that they can direct this energy through the palms of their hands, which are applied to various parts of the body, but it has no scientific foundation. That's why you have to really, really be careful when you have people lay hands on you. The only person that lays hands on me is my Catholic priest, my Catholic bishop, and my wife. <laughs> she could put her hands on me. That's about it. They all, in these uh, Catholic retreat centers, they also teach what's called centering prayer. Centering prayer, this technique originated in St. Joseph's Abbey, a Trappist monastery in Spencer, Massachusetts. According to Father John Dreher, it's neither Christian nor prayer. It's essentially a form of self-hypnosis which makes use of a mantra. A mantra is a word repeated over and over, concentrating on one thing and introducing a hypnotic-like state. God is seen as part of the universe who can be experienced at the center of one's being and not as one who is transcendent, who is other than us and is a loving father. And centering prayer, it takes their characteristics from Hinduism through the medium of transcendental meditation. The introductory ceremony to transcendental meditation involves worship of a dead Hindu guru and the mantras given those being initiated are in fact the names of Hindu gods. You've also probably heard of uh, the Enneagram. The Enneagram is a circular diagram with a nine point star which symbolically describes nine personality types. It focuses on the ego, compulsions, and self-improvement. It is founded on pagan beliefs. There's no scientific proof that there are nine personality types. The Enneagram is not science. Father Mitch Pacwa, once one of the first teachers of the Enneagram, explains that the deepest problem with the Enneagram is its theology. The goal of the Enneagram is different from the goal of Christianity. Redemption wrought by the cross is not and cannot be integrated into the Enneagram theory of personality. The nine-point star was originally used by Sufi Muslim mystics for fortune-telling. Father Pacwa tells us that the modern version of the Enneagram system was a complete fabrication based on instructions from an occultist named Oscar Ichazo received from a spirit that he was channeling. The spirit directed him to take the seven capital sins and place them on the nine-point Enneagram. He needed two additional capital sins, so he added deceit and cowardice. The claim is that we are born divine, and when we're about three years old, we, we cover over that divinity with an ego type. One of the nine capital sins is at the core of each ego type. The purpose of the Enneagram is to discover one's own type of driving force for one's actions or energy directions which one pursues. 
It's a mirror of the soul. A priest in Cincinnati back in 1986 told St. Mary parishioners that the idea of the Enneagram is to become balanced or free enough to let the face of God shine forth, to become free enough to be led by the Spirit. But Father Mitch Papa points to the fundamental problem with the Enneagram. He says, we humans cannot save ourselves and salvation is the free gift of God's grace, which no human can earn, close quote. In spite of this, no fad has engulfed Catholic retreat centers and seminaries in recent years more than the Enneagram. You're listening to Jesus 911. We're talking about the New Age movement, the dangers of the New Age movement. <clears throat> and we're going to be moving on to another topic. I want to talk about St. Monica and how St. Monica can help your child return back to the Catholic Church. Stick around. We'll hear more about St. Monica. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. St. Monica, pray for us. You know, St. Monica can help us get our kids back to the church. You probably know the pattern. Some of you have experienced this type of pain. You have a smart and a gifted boy or girl, they leave, they leave home, they make new friends, they spend most of their time partying, chasing girls, chasing boys, embracing new philosophies in college. The son becomes drawn to a trendy religious cult. Eventually, he moves in with his girlfriend. They have a child without being married. The boy's mother can only sit by in despair, brokenhearted over his choices and helpless, the only thing she can do is pray. So many of us have been there. Well, that's the story of many Catholics today. It's probably your story. Parents think they're alone in facing these sorts of troubles, but this pattern, this pattern it isn't a new one. It stretches back for centuries. And uh, what I've just said, what I just described to you, this has been happening. This has been happening since the beginning of Christianity. Well, there's definitely a saint that could identify with, with your plight. There's a fourth century saint named Saint Monica who had a young, wayward, smart son, Augustine. And, I, and it's worth remembering how she led her son back to the faith. Monica was raised as a Christian, but like many people today, she married someone from a different faith. In her case, the man she married his name was Patricius. 
He was an atheist and he was a politician and he was a narcissist. They had three sons together, but their marriage was rocky, Patricius and Monica. A very rocky marriage. Patricius was a violent man. He regularly abused his wife, Monica. He was also unfaithful to her throughout their marriage. But guess what? Monica remained patient. There were other, other Christian wives at the time with marriage problems. They came to her for advice and she became a source of comfort for anyone suffering through difficult marriages. She served Patricius with selfless love and devotion. And, and she prayed for him every day, of course. Eventually, her, her, her prayers bore fruit. A year before her husband Patricius died, guess what? He converted to the Catholic faith, due mostly to Monica's prayers and powerful example. Although the conversion of Monica's husband pleased her, she still worried about her son, Augustine. Though brilliant and gifted, he spent most of his time carousing the streets with friends, stealing food, and living promiscuously. He even fathered a son out of wedlock. Yet Monica refused to give up on her son. Just as she had, just as she committed to her husband, she was also committed to her son. She would not give up on him. She prayed daily and intensely for Augustine, her son. She fasted for his sake. She begged God to help him return to the Catholic faith. When Augustine traveled to Rome and Milan for his education, he wanted to become a lawyer. Monica followed him and continued praying. Augustine became embroiled also in a Manichaean heresy, which is a form of Gnosticism. While in Milan, Italy, Monica met Ambrose, the local bishop, who would later be canonized a saint. Ambrose became a spiritual guide to her. Bishop Ambrose noted her restless longing for her son and the hours she spent praying for him. He promised her, surely the son of so many tears will not perish. His prediction would eventually prove correct. The young Augustine and Bishop Ambrose struck up a friendship and began discussions about Christianity. Bishop Ambrose was the first high-level Christian thinker the young Augustine had met. So as a result of their many back-and-forth dialogues, Augustine finally decided to convert to Catholicism. 
Ambrose baptized a 30-year-old August, 32-year-old Augustine, who would eventually grow into one of the most influential thinkers in Western history and one of the greatest saints in the Catholic Church. Monica, his mother, could hardly contain her enthusiasm after Augustine's baptism. She and her son began sharing beautiful conversations about God in heaven. As Monica lay on her deathbed, content, elated, at having seen both her husband and her son come back to the Catholic faith, she felt that her whole life's mission had been accomplished, and yes, it was. St. Monica, she exemplifies the power of a praying parent. She wasn't able to convince Augustine with words, and in fact, whenever she tried to talk to him about religion, he just brushed her off. But through her daily committed intercession, over more than 15 years, Augustine was able to journey back into the Catholic Church. So what can we learn from St. Monica's example? First, don't stop praying for your children's conversion. When Monica complained that Augustine would not listen to her admonitions that he, be, that he become a Catholic, Ambrose urged her, speak less to Augustine about God and more to God about Augustine. Monica took his advice and never gave up. Even when things looked dark, eventually her persistence paid off. St. Monica reminds me of the story back in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. Our Lord tells us in that gospel of a widow who was upset that a judge refused to hear her case. The widow kept coming to the judge with her request over and over until he finally relented saying, while it is true that I neither fear God nor respect any human being, because this widow keeps bothering me, I shall deliver a just decision for her, lest she finally come and strike me, close quote. Jesus explained the parable saying, pay attention to what the dishonest judge says. Will not God then secure the rights of his chosen ones who call out to him day and night? Will he be slow to answer them? That's in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. In other words, what's the takeaway? God loves persistent prayer. He never tires of your requests, even if you bring the same needs to him every day. Why? He's our father. So you can ask St. Monica's intercession for your child. You know, a recent survey asked Catholic parents, when you pray, how often do you pray? How often do you pray to or ask the intercession of? You know, and then the survey lists several options. By far the most common responses were 74% of people said we pray to God the Father most of the time or all the time. Or God the Son, Jesus Christ, 59% of the time. Or God the Holy Spirit, 45% of the time. But you know what the least common response was? The saints. Only one in five Catholics regularly ask the saints' intercession. That means that most Catholic parents are missing out on some of the great spiritual support available to us. For Catholics, the saints are not dead and gone. 
St. Monica didn't cease to exist when she died in 387. Her body may have stopped functioning when her soul departed, but she remains alive in Christ, residing with him in heaven for all eternity. And because the church is one, the indivisible body, as it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, which neither death nor life can break apart, Romans 8, 38, we can still connect with those holy men and women who have already passed into the next life and ask for their prayers. And among all the saints in heaven, few know the gut-wrenching pain of a wayward child more than St. Monica. Reach out to her and ask her to pray for your child, just as she did for Augustine. We regularly ask our friends on earth to pray for us. We can do the same with the saints. In fact, the saints' prayers are generally more powerful than ours here on earth since they are closer to the to the mind and to the heart of God. The saints are already in heaven. So next time you pray for your kids, offer a short request to St. Monica such as this. Let's pray to St. Monica for our children. St. Monica, we need your prayers. You know exactly how I'm feeling because you felt that in yourself. I'm hurting, hopeless, and in despair. I desperately want my child to return to Christ and his church, but I can't do it alone. I need God's help. Please join me in begging the Lord's powerful grace to flow into my child's life. In Jesus' name I pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Hey, up next, I want to talk about St. Rita, eight things you need to know about this great saint. Stick around. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. St. Rita of Cassia, pray for us. Today is her feast day. I'm going to share with you just a, a, a little bit of her life story, just very briefly, but I want to share with you also eight things that we all need to know about this amazing Saint, Saint Rita, patron saint of impossible causes. Saint Rita of Cassia was born into an Italian peasant family in 1381. She desired to remain a virgin, but her parents insisted that she, that she marry. When her husband was the victim of a politically motivated murder, Rita's sons vowed to avenge his death. Rita prayed that this might be prevented and both sons died of natural causes before they could avenge their father's murder. Afterward, Rita joined the Augustinians in Cassia and pursued an intense prayer life. She died in 1457 after a protracted illness. St. John Paul II said about St. Rita of Cassia the following, he said this, quote, if we ask St. Rita for the secret to the extraordinary work of social and spiritual renewal, she replies, fidelity to the love that was crucified, Rita with Christ and like Christ, goes to the cross always and only through love. St. Rita of Cassia, pray for us. St. Rita's life is a testament to her deep faith as she endured numerous trials and hardships. 
but her unwavering faith and devotion have inspired many people around the world to turn her intercession and guidance in times of difficulty. So here are eight things to know and to share about the life of St. Rita of Cassia. She married at a young age. She had twin boys. Her prayers did not prevent her husband's death due to political turmoil. And her sons almost followed in his footsteps, but were saved. The second thing we know is that she entered a convent after her husband's death. She was accepted into the Augustinian order of nuns in Cassia, Italy. The third thing that we know about her is she's often depicted with a wound on her forehead, which represents a thorn from Christ's crown. She received this wound during one of many mystical experiences. The fourth thing that we know about her, she's known as a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers. <clears throat> they shall be called the children of God. St. Rita persuaded her husband to reconcile with, with his many enemies before his death. The fifth thing we know about St. Rita of Cassia is that shortly after she died in 1457, her body was found to be incorruptible, meaning it did not decay as expected. The sixth thing, the sixth thing that we know about St. Rita of Cassia is she's buried at the Basilica of St. Rita. And again, you, you, you can, she's buried at the Basilica of St. Rita in Cassia, Italy. There you can find several relics related to her life, including her wedding ring. It is said she miraculously removed it from her finger before entering the convent. The seventh thing we know about this incredible saint patron saint of impossible causes. She was canonized by Pope Leo Thirteenth in the 19th century, 1900. That's all we can say every day. Saint Rita, patron saint of impossible causes, pray for us. The eighth thing that we know about her is she's a patron saint of desperate situations and impossible causes as well as a saint for feuding families, healing, and mothers. Here's a special prayer for the intercession of St. Rita. So let's pray. I'll lead you in prayer. Because all of us have some impossible causes that we'd like to pray for. And so we'll pray in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O holy patroness, of those in need, St. Rita, whose pleadings before thy divine Lord are almost irresistible, who for thy lavishness in granting favors has been called the advocate of the hopeless and even of the impossible. St. Rita, so humble, so pure, so mortified, so patient, 
and of such compassion and love for the crucified Jesus that thou couldst obtain from him whatsoever thou askest, on account of which all confidently have recourse to thee, expecting, if not always relief, at least comfort. Be propitious to our petition, showing thy power with God on behalf of thy, suppli of thy suppliant. Be lavish to us, as thou has been in so many wonderful cases. For the greater glory of the Father, for the spreading of thine own devotions, and for the consolation of those who trust in thee. We promise if our petition is granted to glorify thee by making known thy favor, to bless and sing thy praises forever. Relying then upon the merits and power before the sacred heart of Jesus, we pray that thee, we pray thee, Saint Reed of Cassia, grant, now mention your request. Go ahead and mention your request right now. I'm praying for my wife's shoulder. I'm praying for my son's back. I'm praying for the effects of shingles. We continue the prayer. By the singular merits of thy childhood, obtain for us our request. By thy perfect union with the divine will, obtain for us our request. By the heroic sufferings during thy married life, obtain for us our request by the consolation thou didst experience at the conversion of thy husband obtain for us our request by the sacrifice of thy children rather than see them grievously offend god obtain for us our requests by the severe penances and trice daily scourgings obtain for us our requests by the suffering caused by the wound thou didst receive from the thorn of thy crucified Savior, obtain for us our request. By the divine love which consumed thy heart, obtain for us our request. By that remarkable devotion to the blessed sacrament on which alone thou, thou dost exist for, our, for four years, obtain for us our request. By the happiness which, with which thou didst part from thy trials to join thy divine spouse, obtain for us our request. By the perfect example you gave us to people of every state of life, obtain for us our request. Pray for us, O holy Saint Rita, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. O God, who in thy infinite tenderness has vouchsafed to regard the prayer of thy servant, blessed Rita, and dost grant to her supplication that which is impossible to human foresight, skill and efforts, in reward of her compassionate love and firm reliance on thy promise, have pity on our adversity and succor us in our calamities that the unbeliever may know thou art the recompense of the, of the humble, the defense of the helpless, and the strength of those who trust in thee through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, the program is called Jesus 911. What's the... Uh, the flagship Bible verse of this program. It's Psalm 69, verse two. It goes like this. God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Psalm 69, verse two. That's the flagship Bible verse of this show. Also, we should remind ourselves often 
Pray hope and don't worry. Worry is useless. God is merciful and will hear your prayer. What we want to do here on Jesus 911, Virgin Most Powerful Radio, we're just trying to put the spotlight of truth upon this culture of death. And we consider ourselves the lighthouse amidst the gathering storm. We want to pray America great again. We're called to be great saints. Don't miss the opportunity. Set yourselves, as the Bible says, set yourselves apart from this corrupt generation. Be saints. You weren't made to fit in. You were born to stand out. Faith is what gets you started. Hope is what keeps you going. Love is what brings you to the end. Where most men in this lifetime work for degrees after their names, we work for one before our names. That's ST, Saint. It's a much more difficult degree to attain. It takes a lifetime. And you don't get your diploma until you're dead. And I don't care if you're five or 105. God from all eternity chose you chose you to be where you're at where you're at right now at this time in history to change the world just like saint rita just like saint monica we're called the holiness according to our state in life therefore we must know our catholic faith we must live our catholic faith we must spread our catholic faith and as the crusaders facing off against the Muslims in the, in the Middle Ages would say, Christus vinci, Christus reinat, Christus imperat. Christ conquers, Christ reigns, Christ commands. Do not be discouraged by the enormity of the task that lies ahead of us. We serve the Virgin Most Powerful, a 12-star general. Pray the Holy Rosary. And read your Holy Bible every day and unite your prayers to the heel of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Unite your prayers to the sword of St. Michael. See you next time. God bless you. Keep the faith. Love you, family.